Well, as you find your seat, I'd encourage you to take out uh, uh, your Bible if you have one with you. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, you can find one hopefully underneath one of the seats in front of you. Uh, you're welcome to take that home. That's um, our gift to you if you could use a Bible. And uh, we're going to be finishing up uh, the book of James this morning. So you can begin making your way uh, to the book of James. We are in chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. And when we began this uh, study back in the fall, we said at the outset that it's um, highly practical, right? Highly um, uh, uh, just real and, and, and specific in the way that it, uh, James kind of approaches things. And we've seen that throughout this uh, study and series uh, together. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that I love about the book of James is I have both studied and um, uh, studied it personally. I've, I've kind of taught it um, in a couple different contexts uh, before, but every time that I come back to it, I feel like there's something that I need to grow in, something that I need to develop more, something that um, you know just reminds me that I'm not there yet, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there yet. I still have a ways to go. Uh, my guess is that um, if I live to be, um, you know, make it to the triple digits, which I, you know, there's some choices I, I, I think I make food-wise or, or, or in otherwise that I don't know that that's, that's in my future. But if it is, then I, I, I suspect, and I think the same would be for you, that, that you're still going to read the book of James. I'm still going to read the book of James, and I'm going to be like, man, I got more, I got still further to go right? There's still more that I can learn, more that I can grow, which is, in some ways, if, if, you, if you don't understand what's going on here, can be a little overwhelming. You're like, man, I just can't quite ever get it, or there's still so far to go, and that is um, uh, a good spot to be, but hopefully that drives us to the place that, well, that's why we need the work and power of Jesus in our life. Like, we need the work of Christ. We need the Holy Spirit's indwelling and leading and transforming and sanctification and all of that. And so this morning, as we approach um, this final part of Scripture, we're just reminded um, of how and where we access the help that we need, right? There's so many of these things that we've talked about, and maybe you've walked away, you're like, man, I, I... I, I totally forgot about that verse. Like, where was that hiding? Like, I, I, need, I need to get after that. Well, this morning, um, we're going to be reminded of where we can turn um, in, uh, in, in times of, of help. And as a way of, um, to kind of set it up, I, I just want to share a little bit about something that's coming up. Because as we seek help as individuals, we want to seek um, help and wisdom uh, together as a church. And so um, in two weeks, uh, we are going to be having a, we're calling a church family meeting. Um, we are uh, going to be sharing just some things that have been, um, uh, God's been kind of doing around here and working toward. And I promise you, this is a good and exciting meeting. When, anytime I like talk about a meeting, everyone's like, wait, did something happened? Is something bad? Like it just assumes that something bad. One of these days it is going to be bad. And then you're going to feel really awkward for asking that question. Um, so maybe just assume the best until you find out otherwise, okay? Maybe we'll just kind of do that. But no, this is really good. It's really exciting. We've been working on um, some stuff together uh, with the leaders, elders um, of the church for uh, actually coming up on a year uh, that we've been kind of in conversation and, um, and, and, and kind of praying about some specific um, opportunities and some things. And I've mentioned at multiple member meetings now, hey, there's this church in town that we've been kind of conversation with and, and we're, we're exploring kind of how we can partner and come alongside them and see, you know, see some of what God's done here, uh, help them there. And, and so um, the church that we've been in conversation with is West Madison um, Bible Church. And uh, we, um, 
we are kind of at the spot now where we think that, that God's leading in some pretty cool ways, and, and there is um, some things that we're kind of exploring. And so uh, the same announcement or similar announcements happening over there this morning, and, and they're going to have a meeting also on December 4th. And so let me just tell you what December 4th is. First of all, it's open for um, anyone who would want to come. Um, if this is your church home, you are certainly invited. If you're a member here, we would love for you to be here. So like, make every effort to be here uh, that night. Um, and, uh, and what we're going to be sharing is just, hey, here's where we've kind of gotten to as leadership teams. Um, we've been meeting with them and talking and praying. And, and here's the spot that we think that God is leading us toward. And so we want to hear from you and, and share that with you and then say, do you see this too? Do you see this kind of in line with who we are and what God might be doing? And are you as excited about it as we are? I mean, I'm just putting my cards on the table. Like, I'm excited. I think this is a really, really great opportunity uh, before us. And so, um, so the way that God would, would, would desire to, uh, to do it. And uh, one of the things that we've been praying for throughout this process is we don't want to get in front of God or do something that he's um, not leading us to do. And so we've been asking that question kind of all along. God, are you leading us toward, toward this? And we've just been praying. And I've asked, even last week, I said, can you just pray? We got some important meetings. And so we want to want to share um, about that. And just by way of just encouragement, again, as we're talking about prayer this morning, um, by way of encouragement, I had almost forgotten about this, but um, almost two years ago, I was approached by uh, the North American Mission Board. It's one of our partners for um, church planting. Um, I was a uh, approached by them to uh, uh, be on the prayer calendar, and um, and and our our family and our church was um, invited. So they uh, kind of put this together. They have a different um, church planter or missionary or, or different people kind of on this calendar. And this is like, I mean, hundreds and churches, pastors, like you know, people kind of involved throughout the country have this. And so this, like again, they approached me almost two years ago. I wrote that statement two years ago. So this is what I wrote two years ago. I said. Pray that God will raise us up and develop more leaders to carry the mission forward in this season ahead. Praise God for the growth and life transformation we have experienced in these past um, two years. So this week, there are literally hundreds of churches, church leaders, pastors that are, are going to be praying for our church. I know that because I've been getting emails from them. And they're like, hey, we're praying for you. How can we be praying more specifically? Or what, what about this? And it's just like God. Like, how, how did we, <laughs> how did two years ago, we kind of had this opportunity and this was um, sort of set up, right? And, and then now in this week where there's some kind of big decisions coming down, some opportunities in front of us that we now have hundreds of churches around the country praying for us. I was just like, God, that's incredible. Like, I, 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 again, I totally forgotten. I had to go and actually Google it. Like, I had to find the prayer calendar and pull it up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's this week. I, I didn't have it on the, I didn't even, I, I, they didn't send me one. I didn't get one of the calendars. I asked for one, and they, they didn't send them. No knock on them, but like, I, just, I didn't even know. And so it's just so perfect to have, um, to have that. And I was just so encouraged. So, you know, um, one of the things that we're going to be doing out of this meeting is just asking for your um, response, kind of your uh, your feedback, um, and, uh, and see. So that's kind of all I can share today, but on, I, tell, I promise you on the 4th, we're going to like kind of share all about it. I know you're, you're excited, so that's like the ultimate teaser, and, and you, can, uh, you can come and join. If you can't make it on the 4th, totally understand. Some of you may have prior commitments or, or just aren't able to make it work. That is okay. We are going to have um, other opportunities that we'll be sharing in the weeks following uh, that. So, um, but in the meantime, just continue to pray for God's leading and wisdom. That's what we've always done together as a church is doing that. Well, that's where we're going this morning is uh, we are talking about prayer. And the uh, title of the sermon uh, this morning is Ask uh, in Faith. Um, that is one of the uh, central elements 
of our prayers. There is an element of asking uh, that is part of it. And, and what we're wanting to do is grow in this and how we ask uh, in faith uh, this morning. So my guess is this, is that there, um, there's some things that you need some help in. And I just want to tell you that there's someone that you can ask for the help that you're looking for. And that's what we're talking about this morning. So um, let me just pray before we go any further. Let's just ask God to uh, lead us now. God, we turn our attention to your word and Lord, ask that you would teach us. God, that you would reveal to us what it is that you would have us hear this morning, apply this morning, God, change this morning as a result of, of what your word says and uh, God, what you've uh, given us here. And so, Lord, we, um, we thank you uh, for your perfect word and the way that you are leading, um, leading us, God, the way that you're leading our church, and just pray for your continued direction and wisdom. And even now, Lord, as we, um, as we seek to grow in our understanding of prayer and application of it, um, God, would you help us? We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, well, um, let's walk our way through this. Let me um, just read the passage, and then we'll... Uh, kind of break it down and, and kind of take it piece by piece. Beginning in verse 13, James chapter 5, it says this, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years and six months. It did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his souls from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Now, here's the first thing that we see in verse 13. It says, And as anyone among you suffering, let him pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing praise. Uh, I think the reminder for us is this, that in all things, go, to, go first to God in prayer. In all things, go first to God in prayer. There's kind of two, uh, two extremes, right? We could put both of these things on a spectrum. You have uh, suffering. The word there is like in, in trouble. Um, it could be sort of physical suffering or just kind of, uh, maybe it's just like an unrest or an uneasiness or an un, unknowing kind of what to do. Um, but uh, there is this idea that if you need help, there's a place that you can turn for help. He says, if anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. And then on the other side, it says, is anyone among you cheerful? Is anyone cheerful? Are things going well? Well, let him sing praise, which is also a form of prayer, right? Prayer at its most basic element is this, just it's talking to God. That's what prayer is. And, and, and if you are a follower of Jesus, you have direct access to be able to pray to God and know that your prayers will be heard and responded to. That's a promise that we see throughout scripture, that God hears and answers prayers. Now, sometimes he doesn't answer in the way that we expect or the way that we might desire, but he does work through prayer and he always hears it. He's always responding. And so what we need to remember this is that in all things, we need to go to God first in prayer. Now, I think it's an important reminder for us because uh, sometimes I think that God is not, that prayer is not always our first response, 
right? Our first phone call, our first text might be to somebody else. Uh, but yet what he's saying is, no, when you're in this place, let him pray. And I don't think anyone's super shocked to come to church this morning and to hear the pastor tell them that, they need, that, God's, that the Bible says they need to pray more. All right, like hopefully you're not shocked or surprised by that. In fact, some of you are kind of like, okay, can we get to the real stuff? Like, let's, let's move beyond this. So you're telling me I need to pray. Got it, let's go. But to that I would say, but how are we doing with that, really? Because I'll be the first to admit that I know that I'm supposed to pray, but prayer is not always the first place that I go and is not always as strong as I think God has invited it to be in my life. And maybe you can relate. See, it's something that I think as followers of Jesus, it's, it's kind of embedded into who we are. We learn it early. We see it demonstrated early. But then we sort of move beyond this and we forget just how powerful prayer really is and what prayer is all about. See, the whole point that I think James arriving here at the end of his letter Hopefully you've picked up on this, and I was kind of trying to replay sermons in my mind and, and the passages that we've seen and, and wondering if I pointed this out enough. But there is so much of James's teaching that flows from the words of Jesus and his teaching. And we've said it before that he is, James is the half-brother of Jesus. And so if you want to think, is that not a convincing point, right? Like what's it going to take for your brother, your sister to convince you that they're, um, you know, the son, daughter of God? Like so his, his half-brother, he believed and followed and worshipped as the son of God, okay? But he saw and he heard and he witnessed the teaching. And so, so much of this was born out of this relationship. And so you see the response that James has and where he's at. It's in this communion with God. And that for us is where this, this go to God first comes from. It comes from a relationship that we are invited to with God. That relationship was the way that it was wired, we were wired to be, right? When he, made, when he made man and woman, when he, at the beginning of creation, it says that he walked among them in the garden, that there was this, this fellowship, this relationship that was unique. But then when sin entered the world, that relationship, that fellowship was broken and they were cast out of the garden, the place of God's presence. And then the rest of scripture, that happens in Genesis chapter three. It's like page two of my Bible. So the rest of scripture tells the story of God trying to reconcile this broken relationship with mankind. He made us, in his image, he loves us, he cares for us, he loves you, he cares for you, he wants a relationship with you. And so if you've ever felt or you've talked to someone that, man, that like, feels like this life is kind of empty. If you don't have a, a relationship with your creator, then it's going to feel empty. It doesn't have what it was wired to be. You have a hurt, a thirst, a hunger, a, a longing for something that you were meant to find satisfied only in that relationship with God. And so understanding that, that when someone comes to faith in Jesus, because of the work that Jesus has done on the cross, his death, his resurrection, his powerful working, we are made new and we are reconciled. That relationship is restored and we are now called sons and daughters. We are invited into God's family. And so therefore, because of the relationship, that's where it comes from. It's like, you know, some of you maybe have this type of relationship, like something happens and you're like, man, I want to, I want to tell somebody about it, right? I want to, I want to let, them, let them know. 
I didn't say this, this is bonus content for second service. You ready? Um, so like this week, here's an example of it in my life, is um, we, uh, we got a dog this weekend. Okay, I know some of you if, you, know, if you know us, you know our family, you know Bree, you never thought that would happen, right? So this happened, and I'm like, I gotta tell my parents. Like, I, I don't, I'll just be honest, I don't call them all the time, I don't tell them everything, but I'm like, they need to know, like, the family's growing, we're gonna have this little, this little thing, like, they gotta, they gotta know, and I called them, they were so excited, right? Like, it's like, I gotta, I gotta tell them. Why? Because there's a relationship there. I, I want them to know the things that are happening in our life. And so the same is, is true with God. If you're suffering, you're in trouble, he says, let him pray. Go to God. He desires to talk to you and to hear from you and to interact with you about it. And one of the things that I think we often overlook, some of us, we're really good at going when we're in trouble. We forget this when we're cheerful. He says, let him sing praise. Man, song is the gift, I think, that God has given us to be able to express and sing our, our cheerfulness, our excitement toward uh, the Lord. I grew up... Um, Thanksgiving was always um, kind of my, uh, on the dad's, my dad's side of the family, that was kind of their big holiday. And so we'd always gather with my dad's family for, for Thanksgiving. And, and um, some of you maybe know this about that, uh, but it's a very musical family. I don't know what happened in like, um, there's only like, I think of all of the, the siblings, my dad's children, so me and my siblings are probably the least musical of all. Some of them are, but uh, you know, we're just kind of like, we feel like we're kind of like bringing up the rear all the time whenever, whenever we're singing. But, but I, I just remember that we would, we would gather for Thanksgiving and we would sing together. And as cheesy as I thought it was, as like a middle schooler, I learned to just, man, this is beautiful. Because we would sing and express our thanks to God in song as a part of our Thanksgiving tradition. And it was always beautiful. Like we would sing thank, like happy birthday sometimes. And it was like, oh man, like it would be like tear. You know, it's like, that's so beautiful. Like they would just, everyone knew their part and they're all doing their thing. And then me and my siblings are kind of off to the side, you know, just trying to like, to like sing too loud so no one hears us. But, um, you know, that, that's kind of like what we got exposed to. And so because of that, I think that's actually trickled into our family. We don't, um, we don't do so much of that, but we, uh, we do sing regularly around our dinner table. We'll, we'll often sing the doxology. We have a couple other songs that we'll sing but we'll sing before we eat as a way of prayer to just show and demonstrate to our, our kids that, that, hey, this is a way you can pray too. So it's not just, I think sometimes we think of prayer as like eyes closed, head bowed, like you know, somber tones, that sort of thing. No, when you're cheerful, if there's something going on and you're, you're thankful to the Lord, then, then sing, sing. You can sing out in your car. You can sing together as a family. You can't carry a tune. That's okay. God doesn't care. Um, he, he just is excited you're trying. And, uh, and so you can sing out, but in all things, go to God first in prayer. Here's what I'd love to do for us with this. I think, I think for many of us, it's not a matter. So even as I talk about the reasons why, you're like, yeah, I'm all in on that, but I still feel like I have a hard time doing it. Can I just give you some practical steps that maybe you want to think about with prayer? Here's some practical parts. If, we were, if we're going to like apply this and do this, then here's some practical parts of prayer. Um, this comes from a teaching that we've done on prayer. You can actually find it on our, our website. But, but I think there's kind of four, four things that you can think about in, in prayer. The first is this, structured and unstructured. Or sorry, structured and spontaneous. I think our prayers need to be both. They need to be both structured and spontaneous. There needs to be some sort of order to them and some sort of plan right? Like that we have some intentionality behind what is it that we're praying and when are we praying and how are we going about it? See, some of us, we kind of approach, approach our, prayer, our prayers as just like, well, whenever I kind of find time, I'm going to do that. Now, could you imagine how well that would fly if that was kind of my approach to um, continuing to date and get to know and love my wife, my wife, 
right? It's like, well, we'll just find, you know, we'll find time. She's like, can we get a date on the calendar? It's like, ah, we'll just, let's just wait till the next free night that we have available where there's like sitting and all the kids are like pretty content and everything's kind of in order. Then we'll just, we'll just do it then, right? That date's coming never, right? We, what we have to do is we have to, you're like, man, your life is like, no, my life's just like yours. That's not gonna happen. That, in fact, that is our plan. We had, um, oh man, I'm just like, just full, full of uh, disclosure today. Um, we, we celebrate our 17th anniversary and we were gonna go out for a special dinner. We didn't put it on the calendar. We still haven't done it, okay? So here's my commitment to you. By the end of 2022, you can hold me to this. We're gonna do it, okay? So we're gonna get it on the calendar. We're gonna do it. Because if we don't, if we don't put it on the calendar, it's not gonna happen. Some of us, this is how we approach prayer, right? We're like, well, we'll just, it'll happen when it happens. And then we don't. It is okay and it doesn't kind of hamper our relationship for us to put down a date on the calendar when we're going to spend some time together and we're going to spend some intentional time talking, hanging out, relating with one another, right? Catching up on what's going on. It does not dampen and hamper your prayer life to put that on the calendar and schedule, when am I going to talk to God? Don't just do it when it's scheduled. You can do it spontaneously, and it doesn't always have to have structure, but you should have a plan. And then what are you praying about when you do it? That's the second thing, is planned and impromptu. Have a plan going into it. I think both is necessary, right? Like, have a list. What do you, if you're a parent, what are you praying for for your kids? If you're married, what are you praying for for your spouse? You've got some unsaved family members or some people that, that you have around you that could really use the hope of Jesus that you see. How are you intentionally praying for them? I would encourage you, make some lists. Put some things down that you want to pray and again, you don't always have to pray that. You can kind of pray impromptu as you need. I've shared before, oftentimes, as I'm heading to a meeting, I will pray an impromptu, sort of spontaneous prayer. God, would you help me, give me wisdom in this meeting? Whatever it is, and I'll just kind of pray through the meeting. And what I'm gonna say, and what I'm gonna do, and God, can you, can you use that? Can you use this time? Can I be a blessing? Can you give me, give me uh, just encouragement? Whatever, whatever it is that I need. And then sometimes... Uh, I'm really thankful that I prayed before, or other times I'm really wishing I had spent a little more time praying before, right? Because I don't always have that. And so having that impromptu, spontaneous thought behind it is good as well. And how about this? Number three, short and long. I think it's helpful to pray quick, short prayers, but I think it's also helpful to just kind of carve out some time and to spend some length like I love, you know, I'll, I'll, text, I'll text Bree throughout the day. I will uh, give her a quick phone call, you know, just two minutes kind of checking in or touching base on something. But if that's all that we ever did, right, and we never sat down and kind of talked or never spent time talking, our relationship would suffer. Some of us, we just shoot texts, kind of give a quick call here and there with our Heavenly Father, right? And we haven't actually sat and just, just been in his presence and spent some time talking to him. And then fourth, this alone and with others. There's something special. Make sure that you do carve out some time where you're praying alone. When you do it, it's, I would really encourage you, have a space, have a place that you can pray confidently out loud, knowing that it's just God that's gonna hear you. I think you're able to pray different when you pray out loud to just God. Now, I know many of us, we kind of think, maybe, maybe, you, maybe you do this, you kind of think your prayers, but if you're like me, then when I just sort of think my prayers then they sort of wander off. If I'm actually using my mouth and speaking out loud, I find that my prayers are a whole lot more focused, a whole lot more structured, a whole lot more real and relational in that. I think it's good for us to physically pray out loud. So 
Maybe that's a walk. Maybe that's a closet. Maybe that's a, you know, send the, send the kids out or, or, or when you've got to get that quiet moment at home or maybe you get to the office early and you know no one's going to be around or whatever it might be. Find that place that you can pray out loud all by yourself. But then you should also try and pray with other people. And some of us, I don't know why this is, but this is like, I think it's because people think that they got to use certain words or structure their prayers in certain ways. I don't know why we do that as like church people, Christians. Like it's like, in some ways, it's kind of annoying because you think that you have to pray a certain way. There's, that's not, actually, Jesus kind of corrects that. He's like, that's not, it's not about heaping up empty phrases or kind of structuring your prayer in such a way. So I think sometimes new, new followers of Jesus are sort of intimidated. They hear others, someone else praying. And they're like, man, I can't pray like that. I don't know how to use those, those words in that way. And, and so then we don't. But you're missing out on something really special. Man, I hope that you prioritize. We, we, about seven, eight times a year, we open our doors for prayer. Actually, I didn't mention that. After the prayer meeting, we already had a, um, or sorry, the member, uh, church, church family meeting. We already had a prayer, calendar, a prayer meeting on the calendar for that Tuesday, the 6th. We want to keep that day. How good is that? Like, we're going to talk about some things, and then we're going to pray about them. We're going to ask for wisdom. I hope we prioritize that, because there's something special about sitting across from someone and hearing their prayers I love it because it encourages me. They pray about something that maybe I haven't thought of or their heart is burdened in a way that mine isn't or they think about a different angle of a situation and they're kind of praying about it. And I'm like, man, that's so encouraging to hear the prayers of others and it strengthens my faith and my prayer and it grows us in unity when we pray together in that way. So practically speaking, maybe that's a little helpful for you. If you want to kind of grow, take that next step in your prayer walk and what it means to pray, Maybe that will help you a little bit. I share that because, again, I think many of us, we hear, hey, we should pray more. You're like, yes, we should. How? Right? This is maybe that how piece. How can you pray? So I would just encourage you, before this service is over, maybe jot down, when are you going to pray next? You don't have to walk out of here with a three-month plan. Right? Like, what does prayer on February you know, 2023 look like? That's, I'm, not, I'm less worried about that. I'm more worried about, are you praying like later this afternoon? Are you praying tomorrow morning? Are you going to pray tomorrow night? Like, when are you going to pray next and what's it going to look like? Like, make a plan and then just start there and then do it again and do it again and just stack some times together and pray regularly. Why? Because we're invited to. When we're in trouble, when we're cheerful, let us pray. Number two, he continues, he says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. So we see in all things, go first to God in prayer. Specifically, James kind of focuses here on sickness. So this is number two. In sickness, have faith, remembering God's power to heal. In sickness, have faith, remembering God's power to heal. We need to have faith, and particularly when we are sick. See, I know that we like to pray and, and, and that we're pretty good about praying for sickness. I know that because I invited you earlier in the service to fill out the Connect card, and many of the prayers, I don't know what the percentage is, but many of them are around sickness and health issues, and we are thrilled to pray for those because I think God invites us to, right? But notice this next step. He says, when you're sick... Don't just you pray, but call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. I think there's a couple things we gotta unpack here to understand what's going on. Because there's a promise or sort of a, it looks like a promise that's made. The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. 
So what, is, what does scripture teach about this? The prayers for uh, sickness and healing, is that still something that's happening today or was it for the, for the time being there? Well, here's what I think is our best understanding and, and interpretation is that God has not changed and so his power to heal has not changed. I think all of us would be in agreement on that, right? Can God still heal in the same way he's always been able to? Yes, right? There's nothing that's limiting him today. The question then is, does he still heal? Does he still kind of move in the same way that he always has? Because as you read the pages of scripture, you do see many healings recorded. But one of the things that I hope you also see is that there's also plenty of times where people were not healed. And so how does that work? Like, is there, is there some guaranteed formula or something that can happen? And I think scripture is clear on this, is that um, for those who are sick, if you are in Christ Jesus, you will be healed someday. The question is, is it going to be on this side of eternity or the next? Like God will heal you, right? He's gonna wipe away every tear. He's gonna take away every sadness, right? He's gonna wrong, uh, right every wrong. He will heal you. The question is, are you gonna see it on this side of eternity what you will not find, I believe, in the pages of Scripture is a promise that all of us will be healed in this life, in these days on this earth here. And oftentimes, let's talk, like, what, are, what are our prayers? We're praying that we would experience that and see that now. So is that a good thing to pray for? For sure. That's exactly what he's saying here. Is anyone sick? Call the elders together. Let them pray. What are we praying for? We're not praying that God's gonna heal us someday. We're praying that God's gonna heal now, like today to take away that illness, to take away that, that, that cancer, to, to, to give wisdom to the doctors, to um, be, uh, provide a successful surgery, whatever it might be. We are praying for that now. So why does it seem then that we see a little less healing or a little less miracles than we did in the day? Well, I think part of it is because God works through uh, physical means to, to help, right? He's given us pretty incredible minds like how far technology has come, right? Childbirth used to be extremely scary and, 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 and very dangerous, right? And today it's, it's relatively safe. Like there's still dangers, but not like it was. Like there was, it seems like if I'm kind of getting the stats right, I mean, it seems like for a while it was like kind of a coin flip there. Like, are you gonna make it out on the other side of this? It was, it's a wonder that we're all still here, that, that, <laughs> that people were doing this and kind of go, but they, you know, kind of had to. Like that's, but that's all advanced, and God, I believe God is present in that. Like the technology that he's given us, so he's, he's given us those things, so there's a little less need for it. But is it any less of a miracle or any less of a working? No way. Because we've seen things, we've seen that we've witnessed it in our own church. We've prayed for physical healing and healing has come in a way that was not medically explained other than this was something supernatural or a higher power or a work of God, right? We have examples, not just example, examples in this church of when and how that has happened. And so I believe this, that God does still heal today. Is it all the time? Nope. But he can do it and he does do it and we're called to ask him. So what's the, what's the kind of action point then for you? Well, I think we need to be reminded of this. Let him call the elders of the church. Let, him pray, let them pray over him and anointing him with oil. What's that all about? Well, the elders of the church are those that are trusted to shepherd and lead uh, within the church. Um, and so in our context, that would be uh, myself, Pastor Jeff, and then our elder team. And, uh, and these are the elders of the church. And so we've done this. People have called and said, hey, 
I'm really sick. I really need some help. Can you pray over me? And we have done that. And what about the rest of it, though? It says, let him come, pray for healing, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. This oil, some of us, maybe we're not as, as familiar with this. Like, what do we do with that? Well, I think you kind of got to unpack what it is. Like, was it just medicinal, right? Like, were they just pouring oil on everything that was kind of ailing or, or hurting? Um, I don't know why. My mind always goes to the, my big fat Greek wedding, if any of you remember that video. Remember they were like spraying Windex on everything, right? Like I kind of come to this passage, I'm like, were they just dumping like olive oil on everything? They're like, oh, you know, I got, I got this. Like, oh, jump some olive oil on it. You're going to be fine. Like there was a little bit of that. They were using it medicinally. It was kind of helping to clean or kind of prepare, protect or whatever. Um, but but, but it, it wasn't for everything. So this seems to be kind of a blanket thing. So it's not just medicinal. Was it sacramental? Like sort of, we kind of see... Um, see that illustrated with the priest and kind of the setting apart. What I think it is, I think it's two things. I think it's pastoral, and I think it is symbolic. I think it's a physical picture of what we're asking and praying for God to do. You know, when someone was anointed with oil, they were set apart for the purposes of God's working. And so that, I believe, is what we're doing still to this day when we anoint with oil. And so I'll tell you, I don't know, you know, some of you have experienced this, but we've, we've, we've done this as elders in the church. We've, we've anointed with oil. What does it look like? Some of you are like super intrigued now. You're like, wait, what are we, we're anointing with oil? How does that work? I'll tell you exactly how it works. I have um, this little uh, kind of vial that I have. I have a few of these. And um, inside is just like normal olive oil, okay? I didn't like fly this in from the Mount of Olives or anything like that, all right? I, I, I think I probably was trying to be a good steward of church's resources, so I probably bought the most budget olive oil that I could off the shelf, okay? So this is not some special magical like potion that I'm holding here. All this is is normal olive oil. And when we anoint with oil, what I'll do is I will just open this up, I'll kind of get a little dab on my finger, and then I will just put it across the forehead. I'm not dumping the thing out, right? You don't need to take a shower afterwards or anything like that. Like, I'm just kind of touching with it. Why? It's a reminder and a physical picture of God setting apart for his purposes and his guaranteed presence in your life. Does that mean that it's going to heal? Is that a promise or a guarantee? It is not. But it is an act of faith, believing that God can and is working and is powerful in it. And so listen, church, this is available to you. We are actually, today, as the, at the end of our service, we're gonna invite, if you are sick and you want healing, let's pray. Let's, do, let's take God at his word. He says, if anyone's sick, call the elders and pray. So we're gonna pray over anyone who would want to have healing this morning. Are you gonna walk out of here healed? I don't know, but I sure hope so. I'm gonna pray for that. And we're gonna trust that God's gonna work. And does that happen today? Maybe. Does that happen soon? I hope so. But I know this, if you're a follower of Jesus, you will see healing on the other side of eternity. God will heal whatever it is that ails you now. That is the guarantee. We see here, it says, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Part of the thing is, if he has committed sins, it's not saying there that all sickness is the result of sin. It is the result of like the sin, sin entering the world, our broken world that we live in, but it is not the sin, specific sins that you have committed. So if anyone's ever told you that, like, well, you just gotta get rid of your sin or you don't have enough faith. See, if we misapply this, it can get really dangerous quick, right? If you've ever prayed for healing and then it hasn't come, I think you're left to question, well, why, why not? Surely it's not God, he has the power, so it must be me. I'm, I'm the weak link in this whole thing. I must not have enough faith. 
I must not be doing it right. I must not, that's, that's kind of what I've seen and it's, it's pervasive and it's dangerous. That is not what scripture is teaching. Now at times, sin does cause, cause sickness. Sometimes God disciplines the ones he loves through sickness, but not all the time. Do you remember the blind man that the, the, Jesus and his followers found? They, the disciples asked, they saw this blind man, they said, hey, why is he blind? Is it his sins or the sins of his parents? And, and Jesus is like, no, it's, it's neither. Like, it's, it's the result of, of this broken world. It's not his sins that caused him this. But you might be in sin, and there might be some sickness, and maybe God's trying to get your attention through it. It's not an ever. It's just not an always. In sickness, have faith, remembering God's power to heal. Can I just encourage you with this, church? You don't have to be an elder. You don't have to have oil to pray for like, healing. Anyone can pray for sickness, and, and I know you do. Continue that, do that. Can I just encourage you, though, when you pray for someone to be healed, pray like God has the power to do it. Pray big prayers. Don't give God so many outs that you haven't even asked him for anything. Like, when we pray, what we're doing is we're praying according to his sovereignty. There's an understanding that he is going to move and he's going to will that which is best. And so we pray with that understanding. I'm gonna ask for healing and then I'm gonna trust God and his timing and his wisdom and how he's gonna get that done. And if that doesn't come right away, it's no less on me, it's no less on God, but we're gonna just keep asking until he tells us not to or, or gives us some other uh, kind of direction some other way, right? I'm gonna just keep praying and I would encourage you to do the same. Pray bold, strong prayers, trusting that God has the power to heal. And then we see this, it kind of turns the attention to sin. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is great power at its working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years and six months. It did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So specifically in sickness, we have faith remembering God's power to heal. James now turns to sin. So in sin, have faith remembering God's power to forgive. We remember God's power to forgive. You see, God has power to forgive sins. That's why he went to the cross. His perfect life the life lived by Jesus, ended in death, a death that he did not deserve, and his blood was poured out. It was shed for you and me. It says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. The wages of sin is death. And so Jesus took that penalty on himself, and he bore the weight of our sin. And now he offers it freely as a gift of forgiveness and life to all who would receive it. And so this morning... We all have at our disposal and access to us the forgiveness of Jesus, the forgiveness of God bought through the working of Jesus Christ. Let's remember that. And in remembering that, he says to therefore confess your sins to one another. Right before that, he says, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. See, here's the thing. If you pray and you ask to be healed, you may be healed right away. If you pray and you trust in the power of Jesus and the working of his blood, you will be forgiven right away. That forgiveness comes 
Jesus has promised that by his death and through his resurrection. He has promised the forgiveness of sins. And some of us, maybe this is the point that we really needed to hear today. Because sin can be very powerful when it lives in the dark. Some of us, we have certain sins, certain things. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a, uh, something that we've never told anyone about, but it, we, we know it's there, and we're nursing it off in the side and in the darkness, and, and, and it's just this thing that's kind of been there. And, and some of you, maybe you even have tried to make a plan to address it before, and you think that if you just try a little harder or do it a little harder, but you've been saying the same thing since you were like 14 years old, and now you're in your 30s, and it's still there. What we need to do is we need to drag that thing into the light where it can be dealt with and where the forgiveness of Jesus can be applied to it. That's what he's saying here when he says, confess your sins to one another. Is this the only way that we find forgiveness? No, but it is the way where we get assurance of forgiveness. Because if you sit by yourself and you confess your sins to God on your own, it's so easy to fall back into that same choice, right? That same cycle, that same thing all over again. It's a very different thing when you sit in a circle with some sisters, right? Or with some brothers in the church and you confess your sin and now it's in the light. And now there's that assurance of forgiveness, right? That's why we confess our sins to one another. Not because that's the only way that we're forgiven, but because now we have assurance of forgiveness. That you have others around that can assure you and tell you, listen, God forgives you for that. Let me help you with that and get out of that. It is so good and it's something that we do not access enough. And so maybe, again, for some of you, maybe the action point for you today is to bring into the light something that has lived in your life in the dark. And here's the guarantee, is that God's power, powerful working, through his powerful working, that you can be and will be forgiven. I love this example here. It says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power and it's working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. The Pastor Dave translation on that is Elijah was just a dude. Okay, that's how I would translate that. He has a nature just like ours. See, we think of Elijah, and maybe, maybe you don't know, I mean, he like called down fire from heaven. Like, he went at it with the, the prophets of Baal, and he did all these great things. There was miracles done through him. And we think of Elijah, I mean, he is like elevated as one of the like top dogs of the OT, okay? Like that's, that's, what, that's what we see. And, and what he's saying is, no, he had a nature just like us. There wasn't anything special that Elijah was doing that gave him sort of, you know, VIP status in his prayers with the Lord. But yet what happens here is he prayed, and then for three years, six months, it didn't rain. When he prayed again, heaven gave the rain. He said, listen, it is, he is just like you. God hears your prayers in the same way. God can work through the prayers of a righteous person. So turn to him, go to him. See, Elijah also had doubts. Elijah also made mistakes. Elijah also was like you and me. And so don't think that you're disqualified or sort of counted out just because of the doubts or mistakes or, or things that you found yourself in. There is forgiveness and God can still work both in and through you. And that's the, where the, he lent, the, the letter leaves off here with this reminder. My brothers, if any one of you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death. This is why, church, we are so, so on mission and about this, right? Our vision is to see the lost saved, the saved matured, and the matured multiply. Why? Because we want to see souls saved from death. 
And if you are here and you're a part of this and you start to wander, you better believe that we're gonna chase you down a little bit. We're not gonna like force you back in here, but we're not gonna let you just kind of walk out. Why? Because we believe that, that if you walk away from this gospel truth, right, that there is death that awaits you in that. And we can go into the whole theology about like, yeah, are they saved? Are they not saved? Like, that's not the point in this. What he's saying is, is that there is life in the gospel. Don't walk away from it. Bring someone back if you're able, knowing that there is a cover for a multitude of sins that's found in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And so, church, this is where we would like to conclude here today is we want to respond to this truth, this beautiful truth that God has given us, right? that he's invited us into a relationship that at all times we can turn to him, we can talk to him, we can relate with him, and we can seek him for the help and the things that we need. Who among us here is sick this morning and could use healing? Who among us is in sin this morning and needs forgiveness? I think that touches just about all of us in some way. And so we are reminded that there is grace upon grace, that God has welcomed us into that relationship and he is calling us back to himself that we would know and find everything that it is that we are looking for in him, that there is fulfillment, there is life, there is freedom found in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for the hope that we have in you. And Lord, we are frail, we are suffering. God, we're often confused, we're often foolish, but Lord, you are so faithful. God, you are so good to us. And so God, we thank you for the grace that we find in you. God, the freedom that we find in knowing you. And so Lord, I just pray for your powerful working in our lives. God, we give you thanks. We give you praise for who you are. Lord, we wanna respond to you now. God, these are not just words on a page, but this is truth for our lives and so, God, we respond to this invitation that you've given us. God, we know that you are here with us, that you are meeting with us, that you are working in and through our prayers. And so, God, we call out to you, we respond to you. We want to continue that this week, God, this month. God, in the years to come, we know that we have a God who is always there, always listening, God, always faithful. And so, Lord, it is our joy to respond in obedience and delight of who you are. God, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Amen.